Once again, it is a Tuesday evening, and this week I will not be drafting by myself, but I have brought one of my good friends in the fantasy football space on board, which is Eric Bimefor. And we are going to be talking about some of the most controversial players during best ball drafts. Not only are we going to be talking about them, we are going to be ranking them. And the one thing we are going to do better than um, the Swolecast is we are going to drop our intro at the perfect time. Look at how in sync we are. We just <laughs> absolutely crushed that intro. No pre-rehearsal. You hit the button right when you're supposed to. Why? I ask you, why is it so hard for people to roll the intro? Well, you know, it's not like I have any other jobs at Roto-Grinders. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just here to uh, run the producer, <laughs> to, to, to be the producer for, for your show. That's all. That's all it is. A funny inside joke for the Soulcast people, but that was, that was good. You queued that up really well. My, my child was massacred on screen is what it felt like. I make, this, <laughs> I make this like the best intro I've made, and all of a sudden it just became what it became, and I was just like... <laughs> It's just like that scene from The Godfather, like, look what they did to my boy. Look what they uh-huh. did to him. And I was and I was quite sad. Yeah. Do you want do you want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about the taser idea Let's, that I have? We can talk about Taser really fast. And then uh, we do have a lot of players to get through. And yeah. um I'm remembering back to all of our um ranking offenses shows where we uh yeah. think it's gonna go quicker than it goes. So we can do the taser thing and then we, we might as well get into what the people are actually here for after this. Right. So I have an idea for our next draft with a twist show. I found tasers on Amazon. And I think that what we should do is we should draft the best ball team. And every time we draft a wide receiver, one of us has to get tased from the taser. Oh, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) So all I, all I can think about is um, the hangover. (laughs) <laughs> when I think get it, get that scene from the from the Hangover, and they make it look so bad, um, get, getting taste. No, absolutely not, Mo Dog. This is not a great call. <laughs> well, this isn't the uh, shooting one, right? This is the little, yeah, little you know. like, uh, yeah. It's, uh, so, I mean, I we just ate like I was like sick to my stomach for uh, a couple hours after we did. Both of the last two things that we did. So I'm yeah. very much clearly open to uh, making myself <laughs> miserable uh, in the uh, in the theme of these drafts. But, uh, you know, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on uh, this taser idea. Also, I don't think my oddly enough, I don't think my wife would do it, but I could probably get a buddy to come to come. Uh, do it and i think it would be funnier if somebody else did it as opposed to me oh yeah it's gotta be someone else because i will not do it to myself um the craziest thing i've done to myself is throw myself out of an airplane which i didn't think i had the the um audacity to do but i did it 
Yeah. <laughs> wait, draft to go yes. wait till you see how many fucking running backs I draft <laughs> when I have to taste myself for a wide receiver. <laughs> there better be a good wide receiver. Like we are not drafting um, <laughs> Jacoby Myers in that draft. It's no, not happening. That is that is so funny. Uh, when uh, you know uh, a good friend and underdog football show uh, co-host Hayden Winks has been kind of pushing on underdogs specifically like drafting, like trying to get people to stop drafting so many wide receivers basically. And I don't think he's wrong uh, generally speaking, but uh, he's been very much like we should draft more quarterbacks, running backs and tight ends. And, you know, I'm still not totally in agreement with that, but I, but I like understand what he's saying. We would go into that draft and I would like pull up Hayden's article and just be like, how few <laughs> wide receivers can I actually draft like three? I only got to start three of those motherfuckers. Can I, can I just take three or I've what? I've seen people do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a draft where it's like, this guy's got four quarterbacks, eight running backs, three wide receivers three tight ends and i'm just like all right buddy well i guess yeah. you were so now we figured out why they got to get tased every time they draft a, yeah, right. they draft a uh a um wide receiver so that was an idea i came up with my just before we get away from it my favorite part was when i was looking up like trying to see how much it would actually hurt the very mm -hmm. first question was like is this a good defense against grizzly bears and i'm just like that's that's what you were that's what you were worried about getting a taser for you were like yeah, i gotta stop fighting all these grizzly bears i think i need a taser <laughs> yeah exactly this is an excellent comment by mo dog yes if you do three <laughs> three nine three three that will be unique uh that's true uh we can get the uniqueness crowd on our side with uh the three wide receiver build that was very similar i said i mentioned this uh on the uh hot ones episode that we did on on friday but it was the same thing i was trying to do some research on you know the specific hot sauce which i learned later is not actually hot sauce it's pepper extract that we bought um the satan's blood and i'm you know we bought it off amazon so i'm reading all the reviews and like people yeah. are posting video reviews and the, the the one very similar thing the guy was like like I like make award-winning hot sauce. I go everywhere and I do all the hot sauce challenges. I can eat everything that's hot. And then he posted a video of him just doing like a dab of the Satan's blood. And he like lost, he's like on all fours, like crying, like weeping how bad it hurt him. And I was just like, this dude, this dude can like suffer through a hotter. Like I can't even do the weakest stuff that he thing like what he eats normal like when he goes out to eat and gets like hot wings that's mm -hmm. like what would murder me and right. this and this thing we're about to eat just killed that dude and so that's how i feel about this taser thing it's like yeah i bought this to tame grizzly bears <laughs> and so you know it's like why well, <laughs> that doesn't inspire a lot of like uh hopefulness uh getting into that draft I'm just trying to get away from the food. Like, but people are like addicted to the food things that we're doing. They want more. They're like talking about like throwing shit in a blender and that one's bad. That would that would that idea made me sick to my stomach just reading the person that typed it in Discord. Well, jokes on them because my fridge is always empty, so I would win that <laughs> game. Just so absolutely, my... there's like three things in my fridge. So we we have a lot of condiments. Not a lot of other stuff, but the dogs are so spoiled. So I make their dog food. 
Oh, we nice. do like homemade, homemade, homemade dog food. And then they, they're probably going to perk up when I say this, but they're like treat of choice is cheese. Mm. Like if I say that word, they'll like run over to me. Mm. And so there's cheese and dog and like homemade dog food in the fridge. And like that is like <laughs> borderline the extent of what is in there and condiments. <laughs> So Perfect. we'd be mixing dog food and condiments and cheese together for my, which does not sound appealing at all. How, how'd you make out after the hot sauce on Friday and Saturday? Um, Saturday wasn't as bad as I, everyone was saying the next day was going to be really bad, but um, I, I was okay on Saturday. I didn't have any fiery shits or, any, or anything yeah. like that. Um, for a, a little while afterwards on Friday, it was a, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty rough. I didn't feel right you know my stomach hurt and and all that yeah, but um, my stomach was killing me after that yeah but it, it, I'll, I'll be honest so the in the moment it was bad and then for a little while after it was bad the 20 minute rule that bullock was saying is total bullshit i felt horrible for hours <laughs> yeah uh so that was a lie um i mean it wasn't hot in like in my mouth for hours but like i felt terrible for hours <laughs> uh but the thing that they don't tell you is don't do it. Um, I had told you this. It wasn't actually my niece's birthday on Saturday, but it was like that's when we had like the big family get together right. on Saturday. She turned three. And uh, so I go over there and we're like hanging out before we're going to eat dinner and stuff. And uh, they're like, hey, didn't you eat like some spicy wings yesterday or something? I saw on Twitter that you did something ridiculous or whatever. And they're like and my my brother-in-law pulls it up on the tv in front of my entire family and like fast forward to you and i just eating the super the the like satan's blood or whatever as we're like dying and uh, they, they did enjoy it for what it's worth um but it was also extremely embarrassing that they're watching me work eating uh you know <laughs> this is the only stuff ones. my family's watching is the ones that we just absolutely <laughs> destroy ourselves it's like what are we <laughs> I, I put out all this other great content and you're just worried about me going blind. So thank right. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did get a kick out of the, the, uh, the going blind. Like when, when it somehow got in your eyes without you actually touching your eyes and my niece, she's three. So she's watching us be in pain. Like pain, you know, is funny to little kids. Yep. Right. What? And she's like the uncle Eric. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like lose, <laughs> like losing it, and she's just laughing, like she's like clapping and laughing as as you're like crying and I'm crying, and like so it was like a, a small birthday gift to the three year old. Well, I'm glad we could. I'm glad we could make that birthday party enjoyable <laughs> for somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about what we're doing today. Today we are going back to our. Well, uh, our little tier list and instead of ranking offenses, which shockingly we have to do again, like within Soon, a, kind a of month, kind month, of, yeah, which is crazy. Like we were for the third time, we were like, we were planning this out in February and like, boom, it's already here for the last one. Um, it's crazy. So today we're going to talk about some of the most controversial players that people are drafting in best ball where people are arguing about and blah, blah, blah. So we have five tiers. We have, I put it as rocket ship people that are underrated that we're drafting at a high clip, basically. Or, you know, once we talk about, see which of us are. Takeoff potential, they're slightly underrated, but they might even be getting steamed up right now. Um, there's the mid range, which is just the average, like, 
dreaming of a new home? What is happening? <laughs> me or you? Before you buy, I'm guessing it's this stupid website that you create the tier list on. Use our regularly updated lists to compare cashback. Is that uh, is that playing for you? Oh, yes, I can and hear it. I our pros and cons help. Can you hear it now? No. All right, I'll I'll suffer through it. <laughs> is that really I, on your? That's it's so on the, funny. It's on the tier list, I guess. <laughs> site. I was like, did you get a new drop? Are you calling us nerds? What is happening right now? That was so good. That's so funny. All right. So then we have the yawn, which is the overrated. Um, they're slightly overrated. And then the Baja, no, severely overrated. We're not drafting, basically. And we have quite the list here to go through. Um, accidentally put Trey Lance twice. So we'll only rate him once. But <laughs> um, we'll just go through them name by name. And I kind of I broke them down by position almost. I was going to do some teams because we have three players on two different teams here. But let's yeah. just start with Trey Lance. Where are you now with him flying up draft boards at this point? Yeah, he obviously kind of similar to what we did with the ranking of the offenses. If we had done this earlier in the offseason, he would be very clearly in the top uh, for me, it very clearly in the top you know, rocket ship way underrated. He was going outside the top 100 picks early in draft season um, for really no reason other than people wanted to make up the fact that Jimmy G was uh, still on the team and like a threat, even though that really wasn't true um, or like well, the sir, probability is still true. The He's still on the team, but the probability that Jimmy G is a threat to Lance's playing time <clears throat> was vastly overrated basically. And uh, but the market has started to right now, as most people are getting into draft season, the market has figured out like, OK, <laughs> that the idea that Trey Lance is going outside of the top 100 picks was bad, given his upside and, you know, just general profile and the, the 49er situation. Right. It, it's not even a thing about Trey Lance as a football player. It's like if you dropped any player that runs like he does with a cannon for an arm was the third overall pick and gets to play with Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and, and Kyle Shanahan and an elite offensive line. That's an incredible um, quarterback pick. What, what I'm, I'm still going to put him right now in the takeoff potential slightly underrated because I think he's still in a tier um, de again, depending upon the site, maybe that you're drafting on underdog, we're getting close to pretty efficient price. That's not necessarily the case on every single site, but, um, he's definitely not like rocket ship underrated anymore, but I do think he's still slightly underrated, but it's, it's also because, so like he goes after still like the Joe Burrows of the world. He goes in the Dak Prescott and Tom Brady. Now, tiers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For now. But yeah. like. I'm not saying Lance is going to be, you know, the QB one, QB two, QB three, but there is a world in which with his rushing and on that offense, he is, you know, one the, the Lamar Jackson, you know, second year MVP break. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying he's going to be the MVP, but that is like within the range. Joe Burrow just doesn't run enough. Dak at his now age and with the injuries doesn't run enough. Tom Brady doesn't run at all. Those guys ha don't have, that ceiling in their range of outcomes. And just by the sheer kind of uncertainty and profile that he has, he has that in his range. And so I still think he's slightly underrated. I, I think the problem for me, and it's not just with Lance, 
like Lance was the meme that we started at the beginning of the off season, which I completely, I attribute that to us because we were doing this first. So kudos to us. But I think Lance is like the epitome of the, of the quarterback issue this year where everything is getting condensed with quarterback. So yeah, Josh Allen's slightly an outlier right now, but then you get into that fifth round to ninth round and you're just condensing all these guys. Like you have your Lamar Kyler and they're still kind of tears. And then you have like your Brady Burrow Lance tier, but it's so close to that other tier draft wise. It's like, are we overcorrecting on this position this year based on, I don't know what, like what caused this shift. It wasn't like a, a quarterback just like blew the doors off. And we were like, we have to get this guy to win tournaments, but I'm buying at the right at the current prices for quarterbacks. So like with Lance, I totally understand because he's like right at that tier end of all of them. So I understand why people are drafting him, but I'm still drafting higher because I'm like, I just think the value of the guys that are like two rounds ahead of him, three rounds ahead of him, you know, that that Mahomes, Lamar, specifically those two. I'm trying to leave a lot of drafts with them. Occasionally, Josh Allen, Um, Jalen Hurts. Like even Jalen Hurts is kind of like Lance where it's like, geez, man, he's just getting pushed up so high and there's no tear yep. breaks, it feels like. Um, yep. So I, I totally understand the takeoff potential based on where he's drafting. If this was last year and Lance had the year he had <laughs> last year, he'd be a 14th rounder this year, like last year. You know what I mean? And then I'd be like, gotten yeah. a lot sharper, man, a lot. And, and to your point, I don't even I can't say sharper, but the market has figured out certain things that I do think are generally sharp. I'm not saying we're sharp about Lance specifically, but the quarterback upside thing like that. I mean, Derek Carr or Trey Lance, like 10 years ago, five years ago, we would have drafted Derek Carr above Trey Lance. Now we've learned, right. Even like Lamar was a 12th round pick the year he won MVP. It was like that, like that, that's the Trey Lance. Trey Lance would have gone in the 12th round or 13th round. Right. That like he would have been Lamar then. That doesn't exist anymore because we're smarter now. So this brings us into Tua, who actually might be the one guy that is benefiting from all of this because he's going probably in terms of market value to quarterbacks. He might be severely underrated based just on the market for quarterbacks. Like he's going where he would have went last year, where everyone else is getting pushed up kind of. So, like, right now, I think that there is serious takeoff potential on him, potentially rocket ship, like, severely underrated if that offense goes at all, um, where you can draft him at this moment in time. Tua has to be one of the most polarizing. Actually, I don't think anybody would have thought this coming into when we were, like, doing the controversial guys or whatever. Because, like, yeah. I actually don't think the what, what are quote-unquote controversial guys. I really don't think most of them are very controversial at all. It's just, mm-hmm. you know twitter memes these guys and we're yeah. like you said we're a little we're a little bit a part of that it's fun to fuck around and joke with the the people on twitter but i actually think tua is one of the best examples of like we have this guy who has basically no track record in the nfl but fantasy football drafters have decided based on the minimal sample that we've seen that they know what he is mm-hmm. and if we rewind just a few years and we go back to Tua at Alabama, he was 
the second coming. He right. was better than Trevor Lawrence in college. He actually came in and stole. Literally, Alabama had to bench Jalen Hurts, who we're now drafting in the sixth round or whatever of best ball drafts. They had to bench Jalen Hurts in a national championship game and put freshman Tua into the game to bring them back and come yep. you know, in a national championship game. Then he proceeds to just, obviously, you know, he had Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell and, and all these guys at Alabama but he proceeded to set the world on fire, Jerry, Judy, et cetera. And he got hurt. He had a very serious injury, which is something we obviously have to account for. And then came into the NFL with no one to fucking throw to besides Jalen Waddle and a tight end and dusty ass Devonte Parker. And like what Mac Hollins and yeah. Durham Smythe and a horrible offensive line. And a bad, just a generally bad situation. And he was actually like super accurate, like was like a fairly fine NFL quarterback. And we've just decided that he's Matt Ryan or whatever for fantasy. Like we've made, we've, we've just called him Matt Ryan. And I don't really think it's fair. I think we have a, a guy who was what the fifth overall pick in the NFL draft was one of the best college quarterbacks in the last several years. And we have just written him off really, really fast. And now he has a great offensive play caller with fucking Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and whatever you think about Cedric Wilson and Mike Kosicki and a lot of talent. And so I, I, I'm still going to put him in slightly underrated because I just don't think there's enough true like pure ceiling to be rocket ship. But I. I I, I keep kind of coming back to Tua and being like, man, I really don't have enough of Tua. And um, it, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense what we've done to him as a market. The the only thing I'll say about Tua and specifically the Miami Dolphins is just based on, and this has, I have no statistical evidence to back this up. So if you don't want to listen to this, don't. But every year or every other year, we get this team where we look at it and on paper, they look like they are going to just absolutely blow up, right? They're going to be like this amazing team. The Eagles were at like 10 years ago, the year that they got Namdi Asamoah. Like they had like <laughs> – they were they were considered like the, you know, create a team on Madden. Yep. And they sucked. And it doesn't matter about the talent if it doesn't mesh well. Sometimes once a guy gets paid, hint, hint, Tyreek Hill – things just don't hint, hint, Leonard hint, hint Leonard Fournette showing <laughs> yeah. up at like an offensive lineman. It's like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Showing up like a walrus, uh, at Tampa Bay <laughs> Buccaneers camp, you know, speaking of waddling, um, <laughs> you know, like, so like, I, I really like Tyreek just feels like that guy, man. He got paid. This dude is going to go out there. He's going to bang up an arm or something. And I could be completely wrong. I have nothing to bait fast, you know, back this up on. But like he hurts his arm a little bit. He's like, yep, done for the season. Got to pay me now. Bye. Like, you know, like it just really feels like Miami has a potential to just, we look at, we're like, what the hell happened to this team? They had such great upside and they are, you know, three and 11 towards the end of the year. Yep going into the last weeks of the season and we're just like, Jesus, man. So I'm, I'm drafting Tua here and there because I'm drafting a Patriots running back very consistently, whether mm -hmm. it's Damian Harris, whether it's Ramondre Stevenson, I'm grabbing one or the other, especially with the James white news. 
Uh, it just looks yeah. like it's going to be a two-man backfield, and I honestly don't care which one I get. I think they're both going to be fine for the year, and I think you. I hope get it's Ramondre. God, I hope it's Ramondre. Well, everybody does, right? That's like <laughs> what everyone does. But even Damian Harris at the eighth round, ninth round. Sometimes when I go zero RB, he's my first R running back, mm-hmm. and I feel great about it, to be perfectly honest. So, just to get that game stack, like the reverse game stack of um, waiting on like Tua and Gasecki sometimes if I don't have Waddle and uh, Tyreek, like I can late, I can get that game stack late, and I'm okay with it. So, really quick before we move on, just Mo Dog is um, there's some really good comments actually uh, yeah. in the chat, and Mo Dog is just saying like in that tier where he is i i don't have an argument I, I actually don't disagree generally speaking um if you if you subscribe to spike week you see the rankings and you know that uh particularly daniel jones is very high in the rankings so i'm not gonna like make an argument for even daniel jones lawrence uh zach wilson what if you really want to dip into the deep guys i don't think that they're that crazily different than than tua but i just think that as a market in general why like why is to a different than trevor lawrence is throwing to marvin jones and zay jones and christian kirk and and was basically the same prospect as as trevor lawrence uh tua and trevor lawrence were basically the same prospects one has tyreek hill jalen waddle and mike kosicki and probably a smarter coach and and the other one has christian kirk and marvin jones and so i just think it's it's a weird thing that the whole world has like dunked on tua and and I, I agree generally, like the median outcome is probably he's not a super high upside guy or whatever. But I, I don't think that that covers his full range of outcomes. Like, I, I think his real range of outcomes is he's what uh, a, a Matthew Stafford type. Um, maybe mm-hmm. like he, he's a little bit more athletic than Stafford. He might get a little more rushing. Right. Um, but like or Joe Burrow. Why, why can't he be Joe Burrow? Why, why can't he be Joe Burrow for him for fantasy? He has Tyree right. Kill and Jalen Waddle. Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. What's the fucking difference? You know, other than Joe Burrow's done it so far and Tua hasn't. So I just think he has the potential to be that like fringish top five guy. I don't know what percentage I would put on that. Um, and if you like Trevor Lawrence better, I think that's fine. There's a little more rushing, but I just I just think generally speaking. Um, two is one of those guys that I, I I'm happy we talked about here because he does, we kind of like stopped talking about him and he's like kind of really interesting actually for fantasy. Yeah. And it's just, for me, it all is based on his ADP. So like for him to be my second quarterback, a lot of the times is more than fine with me. If I, mm-hmm. if, if I'm doing exactly what I said on the backdoor game stack for them, I'm not like going overboard with them, but I'm definitely drafting Tua. I also so, like I did a, a a late round quarterback draft on on this channel and Tua was my QB one and I think it was Tua Daniel Jones and Mac maybe something yeah. like that but it was it was something like that and I I really like that grouping of like okay Daniel Jones is like he probably sucks ass but like there's some rushing upside and day ball and Giants whatever and then Tua who has this what we just talked about and then Mac who like you know, it was good last year. The Patriots should be good. He has a lot of weapons, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of mix those things together. I love using Tua in some of those builds. Um, and I, do, I just don't think people are really doing that, you know? Um, and so I think that's maybe an edge. I can't disagree. Let's start talking about some running backs. And oh, boy. Let's start with Travis Etienne. Sell me, sell me on third round Travis Etienne. You couldn't sell me on fifth round. 
Gretch yeah, couldn't sell me on fifth round, <laughs> Travis Etienne. Explain to me why I should be drafting Travis Etienne in the third round, specifically if we want to get real nuts on underdog. I don't, I'll be honest. The third round thing, the fact how steamed he got so fast was crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I like him. I was drafting him in the fifth round. If if he was going in the fifth round right now, we'd probably have like a knockdown drag out fight on this, you know, about about Travis Etienne because he's the he's the exact archetype of a fifth round, sixth round running back that I want to take. Really talented, first round pick, blah blah blah. Uh, pass catching profile, uncertainty, upside, all that shit. But he, I don't really understand why we just decided that he gets to be in the Connor. Fournette, Chubb, what Acres group of of running backs all all, yeah. all of a sudden. Um, I think his ceiling case is the Jaguars version of Alvin Kamara, which is awesome. And that's right. why you're dra- yeah. that's why people are drafting him in the third round. That's like what I always come back to with him. But like, you have to pay for ceiling. So I I will I do not, I've already luckily drafted some some ETN. I don't necessarily want to go with zero, go like the rest of the way with zero ETN, but he's absolutely to me in the one of the the bottom two. For me, it's slightly overrated. But we're you're really paying a premium now for that that he's Alvin Kamara on the and what is Alvin Kamara on the Jaguars? Like, I, it, you know, well, that like, was going to be my comment. That was yeah. going to be mine. It's if we're ceiling Alvin Kamara was, you know slightly past his prime drew Brees, who was still getting it done at an at an elite pretty close level. to peak drew Brees, still pretty close right, right. MVP, so, yeah yeah so he's still towards the top that offense was humming i'm drafting a shitload of christian kirk like i have a lot of christian kirk i think the jaguars offense is going to be good but i just think they're going to be good yeah. so what is the actual ceiling of Travis Etienne, what is his actual opportunity going to be? And I don't think they're going to treat him like a complete three down back to you. No, no. So that's, that's, that's the thing that I don't think is in the range of outcomes is that's why I say the Alvin Kamara thing. Cause I think it's like peak peak ceiling. Alvin Kamara is when he's getting 75 or 80% of the snaps, but he's playing passing, you know, he's right. He's like a a focal point of the passing game and he's obviously getting goal line carries and all that. And that is what you're hoping for with ETN. But like my, my assumption is James Robinson will not be ready to start the season. And, but there, but I don't envision any scenario in which Travis ETN is Christian McCaffrey or whatever, you know, Christian McCaffrey light for a he's not a he's not that fucking good he's not christian mccaffrey christian mccaffrey is um i love when um our our friend ben gretch talks christian mccaffrey is like an elite wide receiver who just so happens to play running back and also get carries and stuff Mm -hmm. travis Etienne has the ability to catch passes he's not an elite like pass catcher the funny thing that people don't realize i think about travis Etienne is in college he, he had to bust his ass to like even learn how to catch passes. He was a awful receiver. Like his hands are not, he, he is not a natural risk. He'll talk about it. Google it. There's like interviews where he's like, yep, I had to work like crazy on the jugs machine and at practice and everything. Cause I'm not, I don't have naturally good hands. That's not a good sign for like, I want right. this dude to be Christian McCaffrey or, or Alvin right, Kamara right. if he's like not a good receiver. And so, um, that's the that's the hope still 
but I think we've really pushed him up to a range where I still like him. Like if we're not talking about cost, but man, the, the price is, is pretty stiff. And that less Frank, it was the less Frank, right? That's what he had for the injury. Yeah. On the Frank, yeah which is yeah, not, good, it's not it's, a good. Yeah. And like, so like everything worries me about him. It's like, I'm just passing on ETN. Like I have like, I know I have sub 10% and I probably have sub 5%. Like I, I definitely don't have close to 10%. That's, it might be like 2%. I should have pulled up my numbers on some of these guys. I might the next time pull, you start. I'll pull up, yeah, I'll pull up mine. And, uh, yeah. So where are we putting him? I think uh, slightly overrated. I, 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 don't, he... I, don't, I don't think no overrated on a guy. When, when we start out with... <laughs> Uh, Alvin Kamara is his is his ceiling case. Um, you know a twenty what twenty three year old Alvin Kamara. I don't want to put him in haha no, but uh, <laughs> but, but uh, he's he's not in the upper half for sure. See, like he's closer to a no <clears throat> to me than to mid, but I'm fine with putting him in the yawn uh, category. All right, J.K. Dobbins is currently going in like the fifth round. There's been some commotion about people reporting that he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the year, and he <laughs> clapped back on Twitter like, just come to me next time. I'm probably going to be ready for the start of the year. You know, like that whole nonsense. I mean, even if he is ready, do we think fifth round for his player profile is – especially on the team. Like I know the team he's playing on is like one of the run heaviest in the league. Right. But when we say that the Baltimore Ravens are one of the run heaviest in the league, that doesn't just mean that JK Dobbins is running. That means that Lamar Jackson is running. That means that Gus Edwards is going to be getting carries as well. And they brought in Mike Davis for some reason. I and drafted Tyler Beatty and Tyler and drafted Tyler Beatty. So like, I don't know what to do specifically with the entire backfield. The only thing I've been doing with the backfield is on zero RB builds. When I'm taking a lot of the rookie running backs, I'm grabbing Gus Edwards late just for some early season points, basically. Like, and I don't love it. It's not, you're not out of points late in the season. Gus Edwards can still score two right. touchdowns in week 17, but exactly. you're, you're definitely locked into some early season points for sure. Right. So like JK Dobbins, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not cold fading, but again, he's almost, I like him a little better than ETN, but it's almost the same thing for me where it's like coming off this injury, that offensive opportunity is going to be limited. I don't think they're going to hand it off to him at the goal line. And even if they did, Lamar's taking some of that opportunity anyways. What do we think is actually JK Dobbins ceiling? I think, ETN ceiling is obviously higher than Dobbins hmm. in my opinion. And I know he's going a little later, but it's like, so then why am I looking at Dobbins? What build? Sometimes I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, what build makes sense for JK Dobbins? If I'm going zero RB, I don't want to take a guy in the fifth round. Like I'm grabbing wide receivers at that point. And or if quarterbacks, I'm, right. Or quarterbacks a lot of the time, to be honest in that, in that range. And if I'm going with more of a hero, it's the same idea. If I'm going with some sort of hyper fragile, I've already gotten probably my three running backs most likely by the fourth round. Sometimes, I I mean, I don't know who in the fifth I'd be taking unless Akers slipped, which he doesn't anymore. So, like, when do you take J.K. Dobbins, I guess is my question. 
Yeah, there there does seem to be a lot of sentiment around the whole industry that like, oh, J.K. Dobbins is crazy underpriced. This is the time to buy whatever. And I'm back and forth on that. What I what I will say is, I do think this is the time to buy on J.K. Dobbins. And so I was just looking to to your point about I should have looked up my exposures. I have five percent J.K. Dobbins um, across Best Ball Mania and the DraftKings Millie Maker, but it has been at this current call, you know, in the 60s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that what that basically indicates for me is like a, you know, a mid. He's a he's an average guy who I think we probably overpriced before because he is good. He's good at football. And, and I understand that is absolutely a part of this whole thing. He's on a run first team. He's a very good runner that, that is, that is good. That's a little bit more valuable on underdogs specifically, but I think generally speaking, there's really not a scenario. I don't think in which he's like this workhorse league winner, just, you know, 20 carries and eight targets and like none of like that is not in his range of outcomes. That is in the range of outcomes for Travis ETN. We just kind of shit on ETN a little bit, but it's at least in the right, uh, 23 year old Alvin Kamara on a good offense is in the range of outcomes. Dobbins. I still want to draft. Uh, so that's why I'm saying like average at, at yeah. this cost. I want, I want to have some JK Dobbins. He's really good. The market has depressed him because of this injury thing, and I think that we, he might be fine. And it's the Ravens. I mean, he could score. He could have 100. He's really good. He could have 100 yards and two touchdowns in any given week. But I, 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 I don't think he's, like, underpriced by any stretch of the imagination. All right. I'm going to overrule you on this one, and I'm going to put him in the, in the yawn category. Our next guy is Javonta Williams, and I think we can get this one quick. I'm yeah. pretty – to me – He's a rocket ship. Like, I love this offense. I, I understand people are worried about the Melvin Gordon thing, but I think we saw that Denver was okay with losing Melvin Gordon in the offseason, even though he did resign. They were willing to let him walk. And, it, like, yeah. so they, I think the the whole plan is that Javonta Williams is going to be, is going to be the guy. And that doesn't mean that Melvin Gordon's not going to get any opportunity or anything like that. NFL is evolving. We don't have bell cows much like we used to. It's it's real rare. So I think he's going to get most of the opportunity. I think the offense is going to be high octane. The opportunity is going to be there. I just I don't know how you're not smashing him most of the time in like the late second, early third. Yeah, you can get him in the third now. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm literally. Yeah, no one's going to. Uh, <laughs> I'll never fight somebody saying that Javante is underrated. If anybody knows me, the crazy thing. Just to piggyback on what you said really quick, the whole this whole idea of like sharing the backfield and like splitting work is 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 so disingenuous, like in terms of analysis. It's like Alvin Kamara, we like everybody's saying Alvin Kamara is like, you know, oh, he's not gonna get suspended. He's he's a third round pick. We have to we gotta smash the draft button on Alvin Kamara in the third round. But yeah. like He's gonna like. There's never a scenario in which he's not in the timeshare, right. even if other guys get hurt. Right, right. At least for Javante, it's like if Melvin gets hurt, he's gonna play like 98 percent of snaps. Right. That doesn't exist for Alvin Kamara. That doesn't exist for Nick Chubb. That doesn't exist for a lot of other backs, and that doesn't exist for Joe Mixon, who goes at the one-two turn. The whole split backfield thing is so disingenuous, and yep. 
Um, Javante now goes in a in the third round where, um, again, quoting our friend Ben Gretsch, uh, he coined this and I've stolen this and I use this like every day, that Javante to me in the third round is a small loss, like massive, massive win. Javante could be going in the top three picks next year if things yep. shake out. But like, even if he split, what if it's if it's 60 40 Javante, even if it's 50 50, like on this offense, you're cool with Javante. Like, you're not excited, but like he's still gonna have great games, you know. So like you can't really lose, but you can win on him. So those are the guys I want. I think I think just the the bow tie this, the the one thing you just said is the epitome of why he should be rocket shipped. And it's if you look to next year, if you were to guess a top. 12 or a top five of people that are going to be drafted. Nobody's going to be shocked if you say Javante Williams is a, a top five pick they next year. Sure fucking shouldn't be. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like we're like, if do you think that JK Dobbins is likely to be a top one? Yeah, exactly. So like that's no my chance. point. So when we start talking, even ETN, like it's limited. And we're talking about they're only separated by a few picks. I just, I'm just getting overweight on Javante Williams. I mean, my Mahomes exposure is legendary at this point, <laughs> you know. So like, it, it's just my natural game stack is Javante Williams, Patrick Mahomes, some sort of wide receiver that we'll get into. Uh, but let's talk about the last running back, <sighs> which is Zeke. And I'm upset with myself about Zeke. I don't particularly love Zeke Elliott at all. But right when we started drafting these best ball mania teams and he was a fifth rounder, I was looking at it and I'm like, he's in Dallas. The one team that would force him to play over Tony Pollard because it's Dallas. Oh yeah. And there is, unless he got hurt and we don't even have to throw that caveat caveat out there anymore, but Unless he got hurt, the only way he wasn't going to move up the draft board was that. So just because casual drafters are going to come in, he's already starting to get slowly pushed up right through the drafts. Now he's a fourth rounder somewhere in that wheelhouse. He's going to get pushed up to the third slowly. He might even end, you know, September as like a late second rounder or or we see a preseason game and he does like one run where he breaks for 20 yards and that's all you're going to need. And he's just, it's just going to be stupid what his draft capital is going to be. So like, I wish that I drafted just a little bit more Zeke at the beginning of the year. So I didn't have to draft him ever again. Yeah. I have literally not drafted Ezekiel Elliott on a single team. I have 100. I'm looking at underdog a hundred and something teams on underdog and uh, similar on DraftKings, And I don't have a, don't have an Ezekiel Elliott share, but I do think that's a little bit more of an ideological stance than it is um, a stance about Zeke. I'm, I'm just kind of looking to bet on a different scenario than I am looking to bet on, on Zeke. Mm -hmm. I, I also think it's, I, th- I also think it would be like kind of arrogance to say like, oh yeah, fifth round Zeke is a bad pick. Or even honestly, fourth round Zeke is like unreasonable. It's not my preference, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say, I see the scenario where Zeke is still the workhorse on the fucking Cowboys catching passes, 
getting the goal line work on a Dak Prescott led offense with a good offensive line in the fourth round, you know, and like there there's, there's concerns. I have all those concerns. That's why I haven't drafted him, but I think average, I I, I really do think Zeke is just like average. Like there's obviously a case for Zeke. There's right. obviously a case against Zeke. And at this cost, it's like, whatever. I, I, I really feel like he's like, <laughs> we've made him uh, controversial, but I really, I really actually don't think he's controversial at all. Yeah, I agree. And I just looked up my exposure to all three of these running backs and they are literally all 4%. I have four. <laughs> and I just looked up best ball mania. I have 4% ownership on all three of these guys, which is pretty funny. All right, let's get into the one tight end that we put on this list, which is Kyle Pitts, who's going in the third round. And I know you're a rocket ship on him, right? Yep. But let me bring you back down to earth a little bit. Oh, what the fuck? I don't hate Kyle Pitts. I am drafting him at a substantial rate. My concern is just it's the easy concern, right? It's the offense. Yeah. Like they have the worst quarterbacks to me in the league. That's the worst quarterback situation there is between Mariota and Ritter. I don't I don't see we we say that he's gonna bounce back on the touchdowns and I obviously believe that he's going to score more than one touchdown this year like <laughs> that was a, that was an outlier but I don't think the Atlanta Falcons are going to score a lot of touchdowns this year so just by the process of you know like if if he scores you know five that would be amazing for him in my opinion like to me that's almost the ceiling is like five or six touchdowns for Kyle Pitts I mean, we would hope he would do it week 17 with two or something like that. But I like Kyle Pitts. I think he is going to be a cheat code maybe the following year where if you have Kyle Pitts and you're going to be able to get him at a good price because the offense is going to be so bad this year, and he then he just gets the best tight end season of all time, and you had to have Kyle Pitts to get to the playoffs. You had to have Kyle Pitts to win the championship. Isn't going to shock me. I just don't think it's this year yet, so I am drafting him. I just – that third-round price is a little steep to me. I'm happy to put him in, like, average, which I think is basically what you described. You're not you're not going to leave uh, best ball draft season with no Kyle Pitts. Right. But but there are there – are, I, I agree. There are cons- – I mean, he's on what might be – the worst team in the NFL. They're they're right. gonna compete to be the worst team in the NFL. Now yeah. there are also like perks to that, like Brandon Cooks esque perks. Like, but Brandon Cooks esque perks at the tight end position, right? With right. a twenty one year old or whatever he is that's well, like I, I way that. yep. way fucking better than Brandon Cooks. And so, um, definitely agree with everything that that you outlined. But I think um, Pitts Pitts is. Another similar to Javon. That's why I would put him in rocket ship because he's the definition of, I don't really know how you, other than injury, of course, I don't know how you lose on, on Kyle Pitts. It's he scores one touchdown again. Like, I, I don't know. We, uh, Pete and I drafted him on our, you know, eighth overall PPM team and, uh, and used his score in the final. He, he didn't even make it to halftime. He got hurt in the championship round. We used his score and he only scored one touchdown and we made the BBM final and finished eighth with him because like, he's just that good. Uh, he's a, he's a superstar wide receiver playing tight end. So, um, yeah, enough, enough about Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at 7% on him right now. Um, I probably like to be slightly higher, but it's like you gotta right get over. You gotta get overweight on Calvin. 
it's the it's where he's going and it's like and i'm we'll see i still have like 75 teams to draft in bbm yeah. all right alan robinson um so alan robinson is almost a ghost to me in terms of i don't even dislike alan robinson i want more alan robinson but like everyone around him I'm like, oh, I want this guy. 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 And then all of a sudden, I have no Allen Robinson, yep. right? So that's who Allen Robinson is to me right now. Especially you brought it up with J.K. Dobbins. He's right in that quarterback range. So I feel like he is a guy for me to get. I have to really make a concentrated effort of being like, all right, I grabbed some Chargers. I grabbed Mike Williams. Let me make an effort now to try to get Robinson as the bring back on this team or something like that, because otherwise he's just invisible to me in the draft board. And I just I'm looking all around him, basically. Yeah, he's he's really funny where I'm similar to you, like unintentionally taking a stand against Alan Robinson. Yep, I I get why people like him. I actually posted a tweet a while back that was like uh, kind of totally joking about the Gabe Davis thing, but I just posted, you know, people were really mad about you can't take Gabe Davis in the whatever, you know, at mm-hmm. 50th overall or whatever it was, 40 something overall. And I just posted the ADP tier from underdog specifically. I'm like, here's the wide receivers and here's the running backs that go around Gabe Davis. If you want to tell me you want to draft a quarterback or a tight end, you want to draft George Kittle or Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to argue with you, but yep. tell me specific, like you also can't draft those guys in, I mean, I guess you can, but like you're probably not drafting them in every single draft. What running backs and what wide receivers are you drafting over Gabe Davis in this range? And A-Rob was actually, A-Rob and Cooks were actually the most popular answers. And I was kind of flummoxed by the Mm -hmm. A-Rob takes because like I started digging into it more. Like, am I missing something that everybody loves A-Rob so much? And I, what I really think it is, is just like, He's been good in his career and maybe he's still good, but like he wasn't fucking good last year. He was the wide receiver. I, I tossed last year out. This is, I, and I understand that. I, yeah. That's what everybody said. Right. Which is really funny. Cause they, they won't, they'll, they'll toss out Gabe Davis's like good games and then they'll toss out well, Allen Robinson's bad season. Yeah. Right, but I, and yeah. that's fine. I'm totally fine with that take, but everybody picks and chooses what they care about, right? right. Is what I'm saying, basically. Allen Robinson was the, this is not an exaggeration, wide receiver 91 last year. The wide receiver 91 in half one. He scored 5.7 fantasy points per game in underdog scoring. I'm literally looking at it right now. Everybody Better than I thought. Ken, everybody, yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> thinks that Kenny Galladay was this huge bust. They scored the same amount of fantasy points per game. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus on that horrible uh, Falcons team. Olamide Zacchaeus, pretty close to the same points, uh, 5.1. Let's see here. Josh Reynolds, more fantasy points. Uh, Jamal Agnew, more fantasy points. Then, so, like, Darnell Mooney w- did fine. David Montgomery did fine on this offense. But everybody just writes it off for A-Rob. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I'm saying we're paying – for the we're we're absolutely just like Gabe Davis, just like Jerry Judy, just like Kyle Pitts, just like all these got Javante, just like these guys where people make the argument that like we're paying for 
the upside scenario, you're doing the exact same thing for Allen Robinson. There's a very clear indication that it's over for Allen Robinson. I'm not saying I believe that. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying there's a really clear indication that that just happened. And we're like, oh, no, it's fine. Because, he, you know, it's fine. He, it doesn't matter that he's 29. It doesn't matter that, you know, that he fell off last year, even though Darnell Mooney dunked on him. None of that matters because he's Allen Robinson. Remember three years ago? He was great. You know, it's it, people pick and choose when to apply these things. And so oh, I don't know. I, he's like slightly overrated to me. Um, if we want to put what, an average, it's well, fine, let's, but. let's do this. I just looked up my exposure on Allen Robinson and BBM. I think I have zero. Tell me what you have. I have 72 teams, I believe, drafted in BBM right now. See, I only have 42 BBM teams. I've been all, I've been smashed. I have zero uh, on DraftKings. Literally zero Allen Robinson teams on oh. DraftKings. Uh, let me look on uh, under that. I, while you're doing that, I have huh. what? I, 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 I have 5% uh, uh-huh. Allen Robinson. I have 1%. I have one out of 72 teams that have Allen Robinson, and it actually shocked me. Because like I said, I'm not completely against him at all. But like like I was telling you, he's just he's a guy that's there and I'm just taking everyone around him. It's that's like, how I feel too. So I can I could even go Baha no because he's closer to that for me than uh, the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> like it, and it's weird to say because I didn't think that's where we were gonna put him until we start talking about it, and then I start looking at my numbers on him and it's unintentional, but I guess like maybe we're subconsciously just saying he's way overvalued. I, I think say. he, I, I do. So I, I also, I'm looking at it right now. I have 5% out of 42 BBM teams on Allen Robinson with an average ADP of 55. So his ADP right now is 48. So I was taking him to your point, kind of when he was in a slightly different tier, he was yep. not in those elite quarterbacks. He was not in, uh, which we'll get to Juju and yep. Judy and all that. Um, and I think, but I think that's important, right? He's, he's now in that group and like, I, I'm not taking him now. I'm not, I, I, I can't take him at pick 48. I just can't do it. Right. So let's get to your favorite, Gabe Davis. Are you rocket shipping him? Yeah. A hundred percent. Obviously it's, it's a little bit of, you know, kind of, same thing as last year. I would do this with Trey Lance and whatever Antonio Gibson, Darrington Evans, the guys. You know, I'm. Uh, we'll just attach to my brand, but I do think kind of similar to what I said before about uh, some of the disingenuous um, analysis, like as it revolves around Javante. I really do people. I really do think people are doing the same thing with Gabe Davis. So first, uh, people are like, you know, in the first two years, he hasn't done anything. Well. He was an early declare 21-year-old rookie out of UCF, fourth-round pick, mm-hmm. with John Brown, an established player, and Stefan Diggs. And he's only an outside receiver. So he's not gonna, you know, Cole Beasley doesn't matter to him. Right. He has to beat he, he's not gonna he's not gonna beat out as a fourth round pick, John Brown and Stefan Diggs on the Bills. Those are like this was like peak John Brown, too. And yep. obviously, Stefan Diggs was like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL that year. There was no real path to him at that stage earning. Teams still time. develop guys. 
That's like, how we, it works. We, it seems like people forget this. And God, I can't imagine some of the people that watch football today try to go back and watch football in the 90s and apply fantasy sense because guys did not get on the field as rookies. Like you had to be super special, right? To get to even think about seeing the field as a rookie. So sometimes these guys do know their job occasionally. The, I know we call them all idiots and no one knows what they're doing <laughs> in the NFL. But occasionally, like, they can look at a guy and be like, this guy has raw talent. He's going to be great. He is not ready to step on an NFL field yet. And if he gets out there the first year and we feed him to the Wolves, he's going to be toast. And we see it happen more so with quarterbacks. But it happens with rookies, too. Um, who's the guy in Philly? Rager. It, that could be what happened to Rager. They could have just fed him to the Wolves too quick. And now his career is ruined. Oh, right? Done. So – Sometimes you got to let a guy develop and maybe that is by sitting a year or two and then you can start to see the breakout. So we saw some of it last year. And when you got into your, you know, your big Twitter rant with people, the only thing I jumped in and said is like, don't tell me you're, you're not drafting Gabe Davis. And then let me see you draft Mike Williams in the, (laughs) in the second round. Because to me, Right now, they're the same player, and if anything, Gabe Davis has more upside. But right now, like to me, they are the most comparable players on that for Gabe Davis is Mike Williams. Oh, and he's two rounds ahead of him, right? So what I would say is I'm in on Gabe Davis. Do I like the fourth round price tag? Who does? Nobody. We don't no, want, of course it's, not. It's a scary proposition, but in order to win these things, you have to get these scary propositions sometimes. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on it. And if I cut you off, I'm sorry, but like I no. did, I, I just get I hate I hate the whole. Well, he didn't do much his rookie year. It's like yeah, because he was a fucking rookie. Like, and sometimes they got to do, they have to develop. And yes, he I was like the, twenty. Wasn't he like 20 when he yeah. came into that? It's like, dude, when I was 20, I like the only thing I knew how to do was like shotgun a beer. And this right. dude was having to play wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, you know, like in December in the cold in New England. Like, or going up against Tredavious White every day yeah. at practice. But what I, I actually like that you kind of, but you, you absolutely nailed it um, with, with what you said. But what, what I really, like generally think about Gabe Davis is like I said, just that the, he has become kind of a meme. And so the, why I go to bat for him is because the analysis is so, like I said, disingenuous around him. It's like, we can't ever like be subjective once like this player, like how could he possibly go in the fourth round? It's like, well, he's going to play probably a hundred percent of the snaps on the best offense in the NFL that's going to throw that have the highest pass rate in the NFL that's going to yeah. maybe score the most points in the NFL and he's a mon- and he's 6 foot 4 and 230 pounds and he runs a 4440 and he just scored uh like 50 fantasy points in a playoff game right and my one of my favorite things that People don't ever like when I cite this, but uh, Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar, who's one of my favorite people in the entire fantasy football space. And I'm not saying he was referencing this when he mentioned this, but he he said something several years ago that will literally always stick with me. That is when you prove a skill, when you when you demonstrate a skill, you own that it is now owned. 
you have that, right? When Deshaun Jackson was able to fly by guys and catch deep balls, he was now a that he owns that skill. Right. It doesn't disappear, right? He has that. Right. When Gabe did what he did in that playoff game, our fantasy football market decides, oh, all these idiots are going to steam him up because it's one game and he had yep. this big game. But now you just saw what the ceiling was playing 100% of snaps with his skill set for the Buffalo Bills. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. There aren't the, the, that scenario is now what he's entering this season doing. There are reasons to believe him and Diggs could be like 1A, 1B because they didn't, you know, Cole Beasley is gone. Jameson Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, they're not going to like steal so much work you care about. It's like he's like competing with Stefan Diggs for 1A, 1B status as opposed to uh, like worrying about our. Yeah. (laughs) And Diggs, I love Diggs. I'm drafting plenty of Diggs, but he's getting older. There's reasons to believe. I'm not saying he took a step back last year. It could have been variance, but there's reasons to believe he took a step back. What if Gabe is ascending and mm-hmm. Diggs is like kind of, you know, peaking? It's like you don't have to like go into your draft, um, you know, portfolio and say, I'm going to take a huge stand on Gabe Davis, kind of like I am. But I think being that stubborn guy that just says, oh, no fourth or fifth round Gabe Davis. That's ridiculous. He's never done it before. I think that's, I think that's bad process. And that's really all kind of my general stance on him. So just to wrap this up, just to figure out like how big of a stand you're taking, what's your ownership percentage roughly on whatever you want to pick. I have. So it's, it's also a little bit difficult because in BBM right now, like I said, I've drafted 42 teams and I have not been drafting in BBM. Right. Um, of, of late, I have 43% Gabe Davis and, uh, my average ADP on Gabe Davis is 54th overall. He's going 43.5 right now. So I was smashing him. I wish I got more of them then. I I, basically, when I, when we, when it opened, I was like, I'm just taking him (laughs) in every, in every draft on, um, DraftKings. I'm looking right now. I have, uh, 35% at an average ADP of 50.4 and he's going 45. So not quite as good of a value on DraftKings. but another reason, like I'm smashing him right now, if he keeps rising, I can eventually back off. Right. If I reach a point where I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I think I'm doing that with certain players too. I wish I had more of him. I I'm only at 9% in BBM on him. Um, but I just looked up my digs exposure because I think that's affecting it a little bit. I'm yeah. at 16% on digs, so I'm not specifically grabbing Davis. So can you combine them at obviously 25% and I'm trying to get one of them specifically digs in the back end of the first. So let's hit Jerry Judy real quick, who is the epitome of mid to me because I like the Broncos. I like all the Broncos players. Um, I prefer Javante Williams of all the Broncos, of course, but then Cortland Sutton, I do like a little bit better than Jerry Judy. I just, maybe it's a safety net thing. Maybe I should be looking at Judy a little bit more because he is a round or two past Sutton and I'm not avoiding Jerry Judy. I'm still trying to get him. The only Bronco I'm really avoiding at this moment is KJ Hamler. I was drafting him and now I'm just kind of, the more I think about it, the more I'm just out on Hamler. Like I think just so much has to go right for him to be 
completely viable, but I like Judy. I, I don't need to argue about him either way, to be honest. I, I think he's fine where he's getting drafted. And I think if you're trying to game stack that game, Judy's a great option because of where he's going in drafts. Yep. I, uh, similar to uh, uh, who we were talking about uh, earlier that was uh, supposedly con- Zeke, supposedly controversial, but I actually yeah. don't think he's really, he's really controversial. I think there's a very clear reasons to draft Jerry Judy where he's going. There's also a very clear downside to, to Jerry. Right. Judy, But that's like, that's like a Broncos thing. Yeah. Th- th- they brought in Russell Wilson. The whole, the whole thing is uncertain. And yep. so people, people latch on to one side or the other, like the upside case or the downside case. When in reality, it's like, I don't know. I think he should go about where he goes because he's a really good football player. So a uh, high end first round pick. Now he has Russell Wilson. There's maybe he's the um, better Tyler Lockett. I don't know. Or maybe Cortland Sutton is the man and Tim Patrick's playing and Alberto, right? I I don't know. No one really knows, but there's a reason to bet on him where he goes. And I think uh, he's kind of been a little bit memed and it doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, mid is a hundred percent the perfect spot for him. All right, let's do all three of these Kansas City wide receivers at the same time. So we got Smith-Schuster, we got Valdez, Scantling, MVS, and we have Sky Moore. So let's just put them in their spots, and then we'll talk about it. Smith-Schuster, where would you have them? Ooh. Slightly under. Oh, damn. These guys are the toughest ones. Oh, there's uh, One of them is very easy for me. Well, I know it's MVS. I know it. Yeah. We're going to do at my, I'm interested in your take actually on these three here. My rapid fire. Juju is average. MVS is rocket ship. And um, Sky Moore is slightly underrated. God damn it. This is my exact stance on all of them. <laughs> um, obviously MVS, I'm rocket shipping. I, I mean, my exposure on this dude is, is just absolutely i have them 46 percent in bbm right now i'm mad i don't have i'm jealous i want i want like 100 percent. like if i could have honestly like it sounds ridiculous i wish i had more i have 34 percent on DraftKings, which i feel i feel okay about that yeah uh one second and then i have 31 percent in bbm which again it's only 42 teams but like I wish I just fucking drafted him when he was going in the hundreds or whatever. Yeah. Why you're an idiot. Why didn't you just draft him every time? I was drafting him every time then, and I'm still drafting him like almost every time. Now the two guys around that area that I'm getting crazy on is Christian Kirk and MVS, or I'm just grabbing them in those back-to-back rounds a lot of the time. And they're usually like my fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth wide receivers. And I'm like, I'm going into this league with MVS as my sixth wide receiver a lot of the times, or fifth <laughs> wide receiver, and I feel great about it. Um, you're putting him on that offense. We saw him flash on the slowest offense in the league. Granted, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, whatever we want to say about him. He's got an arm. But I just think the Chiefs are going to utilize him to his max potential, right? Like, if anyone's going to get the MVS close to Pro Bowl season, it's going to be the Chiefs this year. Juju, I like a lot, 
I think that there's some real upside there, but he's a sixth rounder right now. So <clears throat> fifth, sixth, yeah. Depend, yeah, fifth, fifth, sixth. Yeah. And it's just like I'd rather have the upside of MVS over the safety net of Juju, it feels like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially when they're five rounds apart. Yeah, and, same with Sky. Same same thing for me with Sky. Yep. Yeah. And then Sky, I, I like because now I can get him like 11th or 12th round. So if somehow I miss out and I love those chiefs wide receivers, because no matter what they are, the somehow the chiefs are the easiest team to stack right now, which is Patrick fucking Mahomes and the chiefs. And they're the easiest team to stack. It'll be that 38% Mahomes right now, just because it's so easy to stack and bring them back for week 17. And I can do whatever I want with the chiefs. When are we ever going to say that again? When are we ever going to be like, never, right? This year is the only, it's because we're going to find out in a couple of months, we're going to find out what plays out, right? Right. Maybe it's just Kelsey, but then we're going to find out it's Kelsey. Maybe Sky Moore is the breakout. Maybe Juju catches 125 passes. I don't know, but we're going to find out very soon. And then, and then we're not going to be able to do this thing again. So yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so obvious at that point. And like, so Juju, I have at 19% and Sky Moore um, a little bit under at 12%, but that's going to come up just because now he's shot below MVS. So I'll be grabbing, I'll be grabbing more of him because I'm not going to stop drafting Mahomes. I was like, well, maybe at 40% Mahomes, roughly, I can stop drafting him. And I'm like, he's going around everyone else and he's probably still the best quarterback in the league. And I'm getting that discount on them. And I'm just I'm just going to keep smashing, to be honest. And it's one of those things where, like, if I lose because I drafted a lot of Mahomes, so be it. Like, just so yeah. be it. And you're not going to lose because you drafted a lot of Mahomes. That's like – it's like right. the thing about Patrick Mahomes is that, like, he may – you may not end up winning because of Patrick Mahomes, but you're not going to lose because you drafted Patrick Mahomes. The only thing I was just going to add is with the MBS thing, again – why he's in that rocket ship is the same thing from a small loss, big win. He is the epitome of a best ball wide receiver. Even if his role doesn't grow and he's just playing on the outside, being a souped up version of Demarcus Robinson, catching deep balls, you're going to get multiple weeks where you're really excited about having him on your team. Right. And And there are, and there are reports that like, and they paid him as such to where he's not that he's, they could sign anybody to just be a deep ball guy. They yep. paid him a little bit of money and it's so ambiguous in their passing game. And you have to replace almost 30% of the target share with Tyreek Hill, not even counting for Byron Pringle and uh, Demarcus Robinson that like, what if, I know no one ever wants to entertain this. This is what triggers me, actually, uh, more than the Gabe Davis shit. No one will ever entertain the fact that, like, yes, MVS never earned a greater role with the Packers, but, like, there is a percentage chance that he is, like, a 20% target share player plus the downfield stuff. And it's, like, that with Patrick Mahomes is, like, a fifth-round pick, and you can get him in the ninth round. So like just fucking draft that guy because his his floor is like a break even player and his ceiling is like a, the best pick in fantasy. And what I would say is 
we have to draft them in the next three weeks because once we get to that week one preseason game, if he houses one, I don't even care how far it is. If it's a 20 yard one that he houses, it's his price is going up three, four rounds. He's going to whoever, whoever pulls the Marquez Callaway. If if MV if yep. any of my guys pull the Marquez Callaway in preseason, I'm gonna be so fucking triggered because like I just want to keep drafting MVS. Right. And if he does that, he has the four for one fifty and two or whatever in the preseason. It's like we gotta, he's gonna go gonna from the stop. ninth round. Yeah, we have to stop because he's gonna yep. go to the like fifth or sixth round. And to me, he's the player, and that's why I'm drafting a ton of Kirk too, because I just see like I see week one preseason happening where they're going to make this concerted effort to force feed Kirk the ball to get that relationship going. And he just houses one in week one of the preseason. And then everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, Christian Kirk is that dude. And then they just start flying up the draft board. So, like, I'm I'm hammering those two guys right now. All right, let's hit these two wide receivers in the NFC South. Let's go with Russell Gage. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. Are you? Are you drafting him? Oh, this is a good one. We finally disagree a little bit. Um, oh, I'm not. Goodness. I'm not. A, I'm not especially draft, drafting Russell Gage, but I was thinking about this today when we, uh, uh, you know, had this this uh, show theme. Why is it that everyone is dunking on this Bucks wide receiver? When think about this, the entire Bucks offense smashed last year in fantasy football. Now. Gronk is gone, and they replaced him with Cameron Brait and Cade Otten. Cameron Brait cannot do what Gronk can do, so we theoretically should move some some targets and some production from Gronk to elsewhere in the offense. Leonard Fournette weighs about as much as a fridge. How much does a fridge weigh? More than 260 pounds. Or probably give, give or take. Yeah. I don't know. I can't lift it. So probably about the you same. Can't as lift Lenny. Leonard Fournette either. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Lenny is, you know, just uh eating Milky Ways, enjoying his uh his uh Millie he just got uh paid. Mm-hmm. And Chris Godwin, who is one of my favorite players in the entire NFL, tore his ACL not that long ago. And so Mike Evans can only earn so many targets. Antonio Brown was, even when everyone was healthy last year, Mike Evans was good. Chris Godwin was good. Gronk was still good. Lenny was still good. All these guys were good. AB was good. AB was actually like a total stone cold smash. I know he's really good. I'm not saying Russell Gage is the Antonio Brown, but there's a lot of production to be had in this offense. And I think, I know I'm arguing literally to bump him up from Bahaha no to slightly overrated because he's definitely he's being overdrafted. But I think our kind of bubble has really, really shit on Russell Gage when like even when Godwin comes back, if there's no Gronk, like Mike Evans isn't going to earn that many targets. And Chris Godwin is still coming back from an ACL. There's a lot of production to go around on a Tom Brady offense. And I think it's kind of, you know, sixth or seventh round Russell Gage. I don't know. That seems like kind of fine to me. Yeah, it probably makes sense. And if anyone's going to elevate a player, you know, I'm going to be team Brady for that. (laughs) Right. So, but I guess like my whole thing is I think that he's going to start off strong and fade out 
just that just yeah. feels like the way Russell Gage is going to go, which is the opposite of a guy that I want what I want a guy doing from like that high of a draft capital. But what if he doesn't, though? What if he no, doesn't? He, no, he that? definitely he could definitely keep going. I guess my Everyone other thing says is that I'm not I'm sorry. I'm not trying to cut you off, no, no, but that's just the thing I hear in our again in our bubble. Everyone just keeps saying like, oh, ha ha ha. Russell Gage, you're drafting him because in week one, he's going to be really good. But like, what if he's just a big part of the offense the entire year? Like Brady wanted him and like Brady wanted Lenny. And then we saw what happened with Lenny and Brady wanted Gronk. We saw what happened to Gronk. Like what if he's just a big part of the offense the entire season and we're being kind of stubborn about him. That's the only I'm, I'm literally saying he's overrated, but I also think, our little bubble has kind of made him a meme that is maybe not as much deserving as we think it is. I just, I I guess my whole thing is I'm betting more on Rashad white, which I know they're obviously different positions, but I think that they're going to try to start doing a little bit more of the new England style offense. And the the concern is Rashad white's a, a rookie and Brady and rookie running backs. Like I haven't heard anyone else bring this up, but it just usually doesn't mix so well all the time because he doesn't like to bring him in on third downs because they can't pick up pass protection. If Rashad White can't pass protect, I'm going to lose my shit because I'm going to lose a lot of money because I have so much Rashad White. So, like, I don't hate Gage. It just it feels really, really steep is all. like. Yeah. And I wonder, and I guess my other thing in the back of my head is, like, when we get some more casual drafters in, which are starting to filter in a little here and there, but, you know, the floodgates are coming soon. Are they going to look at Russell Gage and be like, absolutely no way. And then I can get him in the eighth round, you know, and then I feel or better the opposite. about it. Or are they going to say Chris Godwin is hurt? Uh, there's Rob Gronkowski That's is true. retired. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but um, I mean, like if he, if, if we're talking about like fifth round, Russell Gage, like that's, I'm not interested in that, but I do think, I'll give you slightly overrated. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, he, he, Russell Gage is above a Rob on this. How funny is that? I don't think yeah. people would have expected that. Uh, we're right. about to get into somebody else who is definitely uh, a triggering one. Uh, you go first on, on MT. Cause uh, I have, I can't, I can't do it. Like I don't, I'm already not in on the saints offense as a whole. Right. And I understand that Michael Thomas, when optimal, is one of the elite talents in the league. Jameis Winston is the type of dude that could get him the ball. But we're talking about a two year injury now, a guy that doesn't want to play for this team, regardless of the the whole makeup thing, whatever the hell's happened over the last few months. Right. Everything is telling you not to draft this guy. And I'm not drafting this guy. I have literally auto picked him once or twice. And that is my exposure to Michael Thomas right now. Just from getting just from auto picks, 2%, two teams. And I know they were both auto drafted and BBM. I know that for sure. I I did one on stream. I I think, I think we're the, (laughs) you fucking streamed a draft and auto drafted Michael (laughs) Thomas. I pay. Did I pay you for that? I was showing off the spike week tools when I oh, fucked it. I have I have one Michael Thomas team too, so I can't really uh I can't yeah. really say anything. But uh put this motherfucker in the Baha no because <laughs> like 
it's really this is actually really funny. If you're in the Spike Week Discord, you're probably gonna like laugh at this because I I have actually there are people in our Discord who are like it's over for Michael Thomas. Some say they have like, you know, you know how it goes in, in the online community. Some say they have like insider info and stuff, which I don't believe, but people are posting a lot of really interesting information about Michael Thomas in terms of his, his ankle. And then Michael Thomas is posting videos and like, I don't know, he looks like me trying to work out like on a, like it doesn't, it's like it's almost like he's posting it like he thinks it's a good look right and like he looks so bad (laughs) that i'm like this is not a good sign um and he's not getting any younger and i think the market is still just like oh but he's michael thomas and that's what that that's why there's a baja no with alan robinson is because the market is like oh but he's still alan robinson but like these guys like Father time and injuries come for everybody in in football, and I think that's what has happened in, with with Michael Thomas. And like I said, in a, <laughs> shout out to all of the people in our Discord because I've been, I, I've tried to play a little bit of the. De- I have literally not drafted Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. but I've tried to play a little bit of the devil's advocate to be like, I want to hear what you guys are really kind of processing with this this situation, and I just I just don't see a scenario in which he's really worth this, whatever seventh or eighth round pick um, given the age, Jameis, the offense getting worse. Sean Payton is gone. They brought in Jarvis Landry. They drafted Chris Olave. It's there's just so many hurdles for him to be a fantasy pick. That is like a difference maker at his cost. And um, I get, if you're just like, Oh no, he's Michael Thomas and he's healthy. And you want to draft him for that? I think that's, I don't think that's unreasonable, but I, I just, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. I did see a comment in the chat that I just want to hit real quick. It said, wait, MVS is a good wide receiver now. He couldn't uh, do it with Rogers, LOL. It's like, we kind of hit on it though. Like, yeah. He, he wasn't a Pro Bowl caliber, but you look at the offense, right? It's a tale of two cities with these offenses on what they're actually trying to do. And when MVS flashed what he flashed, if he can bring that over those flashes to Kansas City, it is going to be expanded upon. Is what I also we're think, saying. Um, I don't think that MVS is like a good superstar, well, well-rounded wide receiver. That's actually not what we're saying. But this game that we're playing is a bet on probabilities, and right. like Aaron, he dropped passes he was a young not ready to play wide receiver out of a college that was did not prepare him for the nfl and so rogers has proven to not be very i mean alan lazard is getting drafted really high right now that dude did not get to play right away when he was playing with aaron Rodgers. it takes time right and mvs dropped some some bat he did drop some bad passes and it just didn't work out for him in Green Bay as kind of a raw prospect. But that doesn't mean there isn't a scenario in which he is a like above average wide receiver in the NFL. And guess what? Now he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. And like that's the kind of thing we want to invest in when we already know that 
the floor is like, I don't know, how many how many 50-yard touchdowns is he going to catch this year? If you had to like set an over-under, 2.5? That's actually, I was going to say three, so that's actually yeah. perfect. <laughs> right, yeah. so two, so 2.5. So, okay, I guarantee myself two weeks of this ninth round wide receiver. You tell me another ninth round wide receiver that I'm going to get. Though. Right. You know, uh, so it's it's kind of like free money, I think. Right. All right, let's hit on the last two, which are both Dallas Cowboys. We could have actually put every single Dallas Cowboy on this list. Mm-hmm. We did Zeke earlier, but let's do CD and let's do Schultz. Is there one you want to hit on first? You um, you do CD first. I want to hear your CD take. Uh, CD scares the hell out of me because right now my CD Lamb exposure on just Best Ball Mania is – Oh my God, it's 0%. And I didn't even know that. So I've drafted 71, 72 teams, and I have 0% you have CD. Zero land. CD? And that's not on purpose. I have them in other stuff. I know I do, but it's got to be low. And I guess that's because of everyone else I'm drafting around that range, which is Kelsey, Diggs. Uh, I don't know, dude. I just. I don't even dislike CD. It just feels like, again, he's almost like Allen Robinson where the opportunity cost like is just so high. Like we're talking and I never see that dude slip. He never falls, which shocks me too. He's never like, you're never middle second and like, Oh, CD lamb is still here. Like he's right around those first three picks every time I draft in the second round. So I guess he's just a guy that I've been looking at everyone else around him. And now I'm kind of like, oh shit, I don't have any CDM in Best Ball Mania. How do I correct this? And do I want to correct it? So it's not a purposeful stance, to be honest. I, I, I'm actually shocked that I'm at 0% CDM. He's definitely the like epitome of slightly overrated to me, where <clears throat> he's like a two, three turn early third round pick or whatever but this year is so weird yeah that that after like those to me I, I i know not everyone agrees i include like kelsey in that top six you get past the, the top five is what everybody talks about right mm-hmm. jt cmc cup jefferson chase you get past that and honestly the whole i like kelsey but after that there's a whole group of like what is really the fucking difference between like 15 of those guys honestly like it's a huge tier and so cd gets dropped into a spot in the adp that like i don't really think he deserves (laughs) like he hasn't done anything to the only reason is like we memed him into the two, three turn and then Amari left. Yeah. But he didn't earn it last year. And so I, I don't want to say like, you know, no, cause I have drafted some CD lamb, but like we are really priced into a spot that like he has to be in that next group, you know, after all those uh, superstars and I'm not, he's getting I'm drafted not, over Mike Evans, he's getting drafted over Debo Samuel. He's getting drafted. Why does over... he go over Debo? Why does he go over, dude? Debo? I, see, that's the thing. It's like I'll grab Debo there sometimes, 
Like, why would I, why would I draft CD lamb over Debo at this point? Other than like, if you were really scared that Debo wasn't going to play for some reason this year, which I don't think anyone is right. He's not, so, not going to forfeit millions right, of dollars. Right. Yeah. So like, what are we worried about? And I, I just, I'd rather have AJ Brown than CD lamb. If I'm going to be completely honest, what's the difference, right? I just like why is why, why Debo is has been better than CD Lamb. AJ Brown has been better than CD Lamb. Mike Evans has been better than CD Lamb. Tyree Kill has been better than CD Lamb. We're just projecting growth onto CD Lamb. Oh, I like I like CD Lamb. So do I'm I. excited. I'm excited for him. <laughs> but we've put him at the one two turn. Like, why the fuck is he going at the one two turn? It, it just it, I guess it just feels wrong. Like, like there's just certain guys that just feel like they're wrongly priced and I have trouble clicking it. And that's like probably some sort of mental tick that I need to address occasionally, but it, it's so tough to press the button on him when those other guys are all around him. I just, his, what is his ceiling? Like pure, like Debo Samuel, if you removed every ounce of rushing production he did last year is the wide receiver 10. Mm -hmm. If CD's floor was the wide receiver 10, he would go in the middle of the first round. Right. But his, but the dude wasn't anywhere, anywhere close to this. So why does he get drafted over Tyree kill? One of the best fantasy wide receivers of the last five years. And one of the best, another great name. And one of the best and AJ Brown, one of the most efficient wide receivers, uh of the last three years and D- i i'm i just like i i really love cd lamb but i just don't get why he goes where he goes i think what we need to remind the chat to is maybe we didn't make this clear enough in the beginning we're baking in adp right now as a big part of this yes. board as well um so that's why like like in a vacuum i like cd lamb a lot i would draft him a lot I like, you know, Allen Robinson enough, but just where their ADP is, it just feels way out of sorts for me. So we'll put him in the yawn, even though like, yeah, I've taken this involuntary stand or un- unintentional stand against him. I will make it a point to go draft some CD here and there, um, but the, going to his teammate Dalton Schultz, this ADP I don't understand at all. I literally don't understand it. And and I guess I'm just way more out on the Cowboys as a whole because I think they're all pretty much mostly overpriced other than Dak, I guess. Like, and I, the only reason Dak's not overpriced is just because of the way the QB market is right now. Um, but Schultz is, how did he steam up? So I, I don't understand. Like, was somebody like, like touting him and it just steamed him three rounds, four rounds. Right. Like, are you, are you in on this Schultz thing? My average ADP in best ball mania on Schultz is a uh, 96. His current ADP is 66. So uh, that tells you about, I was drafting him when he was going, you know, in the ninth round or whatever, mm-hmm. just to sprinkle him in, in that Schultz Hawkinson Goddard, tier or whatever and to your point i i don't i I think (laughs) 
I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm struggling to come up with the words on what. Like Dalton Schultz had a fine year last year, and Amari is gone, so we have to project some kind of volume into that yeah. offense, and so people are giving it to him. But like, this is this is like Gary Barnage level, <laughs> like just Logan Thomas level. <laughs> Like yeah. they're just giving volume to this guy because you know there's nobody else in the offense, and I know the Cowboys' offense is a little bit different or whatever. But like, you can't take a tight end in the sixth round. Like he is. Let's just get this out of the way. He is <laughs> no <laughs> for me for for Dalton Schultz at this current cost. I do I do not get it. There be. Not because he's not going to have a good year. Maybe he does have a have a good year for the Cowboys. But from a fantasy football perspective, please tell me how sixth round or seventh round Dalton Schultz is like winning you a two million dollars on underdog. Because I, I sure as shit don't see it. Yeah, tell me how he's different than thirteenth round or twelfth round Mike Gesicki. Or, or Hunter something. Henry. Or Hunter Henry. Or you know, like that range of David and Joku. Right. Like I, I find Goddard and Hawkinson more intriguing, and they're going after him now. Why do they go after him? I they're don't better. Understand. They're better at football, and they there's not that much of a difference in terms of like volume opportunity. And he goes way before them. It's so uh, weird. I don't get it. Like it just every time I like once I start start creeping up the board, I'm like, what is he doing? Why? Where, where is he going? Who does he think he is? And he just like starts creeping <laughs> by he, me. He, <laughs> he just starts creeping by these guys. And he gets to like the sixth round. And I'm like, I'm already having a tough time drafting Dallas Cowboys as it is. At least Schultz in like the 10th, I was like squeamishly ready to press the button. I just looked, I pressed it once out of 71 teams. And now I can't even like, now it makes me want to gag thinking about, you know, I'd rather, I'd almost rather eat the hot dogs again than draft Dalton <laughs> Schultz where he's Please, going. No. Please, you, God, know, no. you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just it's that bad to me. Like to me, he's the most egregiously priced player in all of best ball or drafts or anything I think so right too. now. I think it so just it just I look at it. I'm just like, there's there's no effing way. And I'll do it once or twice because the next thing I'm doing, just speaking of the spike week tools, now that I'm at almost 75 drafts, I'm going to take a few days and I'm going to go through and I am going to see what my game stacks are, see what game stacks I'm missing. Um, I know Dallas is going to be a part of the ones that I'm missing for the most part. And I'll find a way to get a Dallas game stack with like one tennis. It makes me sick thinking about it with the Tennessee bring back at some point, like, and I'll get a Schultz exposure there, but I think that's it. I'm not one offing Schultz. Like if I'm getting Schultz, it's with, some specific plan in mind for that specific team. And other than that, I'm never looking like, Oh, Schultz is still on the board. Cause I don't care. Cause he's too high. I mean, you can tell me if someone wants to call us crazy for that, then, you know, and Terrence brings up a good point. Where will Dak's production come from? And I get that. And I think that they will produce. I just, I don't know if they're going to be in the lead offense this year. So, I don't know if it's going to be any one or two guys or if it's going to be spread out. I like Tolbert, honestly. He's my favorite Cowboy to draft right now. I'm drafting Jalen Tolbert at a pretty high clip at the moment. 
this is uh i don't disagree with this with this comment however this is the uh false trap that people fall into this is the this is what i would call the mike davis uh of a fantasy football okay that's a fair i get it i i have to put production in dallas and so where does it go and you're like i don't know i give it to cd and i give it to schultz because because mm-hmm. Tolbert's a rookie and I don't know what to do with him. Gallup's hurt and James Washington has sucked. And you're like, uh, then we got Zeke and Pollard or whatever. So you just assign production to Mike Davis because you're like, I don't know. Yeah. But you're but you're giving just the same thing with Mike Davis. You're giving production to players who haven't earned it from a talent perspective and then and then what happens with mike davis right cordero patterson steals it and like did you project that could you project that no but you you overdrafted a player solely because you didn't know where nowhere else to give that production to and that is like one of the biggest things you can do wrong in my opinion in, in fantasy drafts. And that's actually why like all the guys at the bottom of this screen that you're looking at right now, that that's why they're like, not why we don't think you should draft them. It's because people are just assigning them production when in reality, it's like, it's really, really, really uncertain. Whereas the rocket ship guys are actually the most uncertain situations. Right. Javante is crazy uncertain. Gabe and MVS are crazy uncertain. Trey Lance, Tua, Sky Moore, all these guys are super uncertain, but that's where you win. The right. guys where you say, oh, it's Mike Davis and Quadri Allison is his backup or JV and Hawkins. So I'm just going to give him all this production and draft him in the fifth round. Well, guess what? He's not a, he's not a fifth round caliber NFL player. So you give him this, and the next thing you know, Cordell Patterson stole his job. And like, that's kind of the lesson from all of this, in my opinion, is that you can't just do the Dalton Schultz is going to get this much production because I don't know where else to give. Maybe, maybe to your point, I agree with you. It's Jalen Tolbert. It's like, this is the guy who has the widest range of outcomes. Maybe he doesn't steal Dalton Schultz production, but he has the chance to be, uh, I don't know, a, what, a sixth-round pick next year, a fifth-round pick next year. Right. And he's going in the 15th. So take that dude. Don't don't take Dalton Schultz in the sixth round. Take the dude who's going later who could, like, just literally totally crush. Honestly, we have CD down there, but I can at least, like, he's only slightly overrated because, like, there is a realistic scenario that he's going in that Diggs, Devontae, or whatever. Um, I, I- I think just to expand upon that point with CD that you were making earlier as you bring it up towards the end here is I think every guy around him has a viable pathway to being the number one overall wide receiver. And I don't think CD does, to be perfectly honest. I I think he has a pathway to be like definitely a top 10, but more probably towards that back end of the top 10 where like Debo, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, all realistically have a have a chance of being the number one overall. It's low, like because I think some of the top end guys yeah. are still higher. But like I just and I guess maybe that's what I'm thinking when I'm drafting. I'm like, who has winning potential for me? And 
not that he doesn't, but just all these other guys around him are just like way higher and on my list. Gabriel Davis and Juju have a better chance of being a top, not 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 top one. I'm trying to think of how to how to frame this. Gabe Davis and Juju have a better chance of being a top three wide receiver than CD does. CD has that in his range, but the probability is is lower than Juju and and CD might be better than Gabe and Juju, but the probability is lower. When has a fucking Cowboys wide receiver ever been this super like we're we're excited about the Cowboys, I guess. And like I I was that donkey last year. <laughs> excited we all about were. the Cowboys. Yeah, we all did this stupid bullshit. But we like, were all excited about them, and that's the only week 17 game we cared about was Dallas and Arizona. But why but why 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 is CD better than these other guys? I, I you know, I I don't other than Amari's gone. I, right. And yeah. I like CD. I CD I was drafting a shit ton of CD last year. I love CD Lamb as a player, but um, it's just a, one example of where we're like assigning production to a player who hasn't necessarily earned it, him and Schultz. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. We should probably get out of here at this yeah. point. We have spent a long time on this board. We end up talking and it ends up becoming a really interesting conversation. Um, but now we know to do maybe a few less players next time when we do something like this. <laughs> Um, anything you want to pitch, I think everyone should go get the spike week tools if they haven't just for some of the conversation that we were having. I think the fascinating part was when you were bringing up players that you were drafting and what your average ADP was for some of these players and why you were drafting them there. And now why you don't have to draft them at this particular spot. So like, to me, that really jumps out. Yeah. hundred percent. There's so many things that we built with the spike week tools, um, that are for, you know, if you're listening to this, you're a best ball player and drafting on underdog DraftKings, drafters, FFPC, uh, whatever. And we built it with you guys in mind. And I think being able to see, like Rob said, the average ADP, I got a player at. So like, if I don't want to draft Gabe Davis ever again, I'm good. Cause I got really good prices on him. Same thing with some of the other players we talked about and like a million other things that uh, go into the tools. Um, I won't try to sit here and sell you guys like crazy, but I think if you're seriously playing best ball, that's, that's, that's definitely the big thing. I feel so much more knowledgeable about the conversations that we just had today because I, you know, have access to draft IQ and some of the stuff that we're putting together at uh, Spike Week. Just go to spikeweek.com slash go hyphen premium and uh, you can get access. It'll be in the comments after this. But um, I think th- I, th- I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Nope, that's it for me. I got another show to get ready for. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,